Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Jason McGay. Well, I have the honor of bringing the word to you this morning. I'm very excited about it. Thank you. Yes. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. God is good. Let's open in a word of prayer this morning, all right? I know we've been worshiping and praising God, but let's just take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for, for Jesus and what he has done for us. Father, we thank you that you have made us free, that we are not in prison in any way, but you have made us free, and I thank you for that. I thank you for your awesome and wonderful and powerful word this morning and for what you're doing in our midst and will continue to do in our lives even after we leave this place. We give you all the honor and all the praise and all the thanksgiving because you are the one who is doing the work. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. I want to talk to you about uh, an invisible wall and a glass ceiling. Have you heard those expressions before? Kind of conjures up an image of something where you bump into something and it prevents you from moving forward, but you don't know what it is. Yeah? Otherwise, if the wall was visible, you'd see it afar off and work your way around it. But if it's invisible, you don't notice it, you just seem to bump into it. But you don't know what that wall is there for. You don't know why it's there. You don't know why you're stuck. You just keep bumping into something. And I know in the business world, they talk about the glass ceiling, or economically, they talk about the glass ceiling. You can only rise to a certain height, and you can see that there's more above you, but you seem to bump into the ceiling that you can't seem to get past. It's called a glass ceiling because you can see through and see there's more for me to reach and attain above me, but I keep hitting this glass ceiling and can't seem to get any further. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. Obviously, I'm using those as a metaphor. There is no glass ceiling here. There is no invisible wall in front. They're metaphors. And they're metaphors for something that happens in our lives that we can encounter. And many of us do. Now, what I'm about to talk to you about is applicable in a general sense to all of us, but for some, it'll be applicable in a very specific sense. I want to talk about things where you seem to be wandering in circles, and you're not sure why. You know, like the Israelites, right? Wandered in the desert, didn't go into the promised land. Wandering in circles. Have you heard of that term? The world uses that, repetitive cycles. What are they talking about? What are they talking about? Repetitive cycles. What is that? Stuck stuck in a rut. There's another one. Yeah, it's like a rocking chair. 
There's a lot of action, but no forward movement. Yeah? Yeah. Sometimes prayer life can seem like that. A lot of action, but no forward movement. Hmm. Sometimes repetitive cycles can be in relationships. Sometimes repetitive cycles can be in the workplace. Seem to go from the same kind of job to the same kind of job to the same kind of job. And why I keep finding companies that don't appreciate me? Huh. Repetitive cycles. Sometimes those cycles take years to come back around. There have been people that have been in good churches in their younger years where God has been blessing them. They've been growing, and all of a sudden, they get offended. And they have to leave due to irreconcilable differences and have to go find some other place. And for some reason, that other place always seems to be a great distance away from where they are right now. And so they leave on a journey, and they think it's the journey of God. But away they go, off into the desert for 40 years. And the church that they find that they think is an oasis is a mirage. And they keep going, and they keep going, until finally something says to them, maybe I should go back from whence I came. (laughs) And after years of wandering in the desert, surviving only on miracles, they come back to the place where God had put them originally. And maybe 20 years has gone by. Repetitive cycles. Sometimes this invisible wall can seem like a habit that you can't seem to get past. I've struggled, I've tried, I'd have a moment of success, and then as soon as I relax my grip on the controls, it just seems to autopilot back to the course it was on before. You know autopilot, right? You know what that is? It's programmed into the system to go a specific direction. And you might think, I don't want to go in that direction any longer. I want to go this other direction. So you grab the controls of your life, and with all of your force and might, you steer the controls to point them in the direction where you want to go. But as soon as you start getting a little bit tired and relax your grip on the controls, autopilot kicks back in and back to where you were before. Sometimes struggling with a habit can seem to be that way. (laughs) I've tried and I tried and I tried, and here I am once again. It almost seems like you come to a place of frustration, perhaps, because you've exerted so much effort and you can't figure out why you are back where you started. No one knows what I'm talking about, right? I'm just, yeah. 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 (laughs) I thought I could hear crickets for a minute there. I just. But certainly not something you want to say amen to because amen means so be it. (laughs) Yes, amen. Hallelujah. 
Anne was talking about routine just a minute. Sometimes our lives, we get into routines. We get into the busyness of life. And our routine seems to kind of steady the ship through the storms of life. But that's routine. And you find that it's just a whirlwind of activity around you and demands placed upon you constantly. I got to do this. I have this responsibility. I've got to look after that. And then something unexpected happens. And it draws your attention in another direction for a minute. And then, oops, I I left the pot on the stove with the burner turned on. I've got to go turn that on. Just constant barrage of things that demand your time and energy. And around and around you go. But routine seems to keep you pointed in the right direction, you think. Because you got your routine to manage all of these things that are going on in your life. Yeah, routine. I know that for recovering addicts, if they don't know Jesus, sometimes what they do is they rely on a different routine to keep them away from the temptation to fall into sin once again. Yeah? You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes that routine is a whole lot more coffee and cigarettes (laughs) instead of whatever drug and alcohol they had before that had a grip on their life. But then they can't break away from their routine. Because if they break their routine, they're back into temptation once again. And sometimes we've done similar things in the way that we govern our lives. We've created routines that keep us free? Hmm. I'm not sure about that. What am I describing here? I'm describing scenarios that we can all relate to, but that in so many ways, it is a glass ceiling in our life. It is an invisible wall. And you know that it is because there's something on the inside of you that says there is so much more than what I'm experiencing right now. Sometimes that's an unconscious thing. Sometimes that's not a conscious thought. But sometimes there's this gnawing or nagging going on on deep in your heart that says, there's more than what I'm I'm experiencing right now. I shouldn't have to struggle like this to be free. I shouldn't have to put so much effort in just for my life to be managed and maintained. I know there is a blessing that is greater than what I'm experiencing, but I don't know how to access it. I don't know how to get it. And I've done everything in my knowledge and power to make it happen, and it doesn't seem to be working. I can relate to this (laughs) on more than one occasion and in more than one scenario in different ways, different ways, get to my notes at some point, but let me just tell you some scenarios that I can relate to that. Sometimes the not knowing can be a bit of a barrier to you. Because intuitively you know that there's more, 
I should be in a greater place. This repetitive cycle shouldn't be happening. I know that I'm free, but I'm in, in theory, but I'm not experiencing it. And you know that, but sometimes you don't know why, you don't know how, you don't know what is going to take me from here to there. And unfortunately, as when we're carnal, we look for quick fixes. That's what Ann was just talking about, quick fixes. We look for a quick fix that will t- bring us temporary relief. So we go to a meeting. We go to a revival meeting. We go to a breakthrough meeting. Because we believe that when we go to the breakthrough meeting, God is going to wave his magic wand and poof, I'm going to get my breakthrough. Out of this repetitive cycle, out of these constricting conditions that I can't seem to get out of. And we have this idea that if we go to this meeting and someone lays hands on me, boom, I'm going to be instantly free. And yes, you can be instantly free when we're talking about the name of Jesus and the power of God. But let me tell you this. If something doesn't change in here, you're going to find yourself back where you were before. And you'll be more frustrated than you were before you got your so-called breakthrough. So there's certain things like when I was a, a younger Christian that I didn't know. Now, I was born again when I was like six years old. Most of you have heard me tell you that. I baptized when I was seven in the Baptist church. Thank God for the Baptists. And I didn't know anything. Now, I had something on the inside of me that knew the truth. That innermost being, which is alive unto God, knows the truth. But I didn't have any real spiritual teaching or training. I had a lot of religious training. I didn't have any real spiritual training, so to speak. And I wandered off trying to find myself. You know, as a teenager, hallelujah, as a young adult and teenager, I must have gone through every fad that was going on through those years. You know, one year I'm combing my hair this way. The next year I'm combing my hair the other way. Then I decide to shave most of it off. And, and grow the top part really long, and then put it back in a ponytail and wear boots up to here, and then the, it, all sorts of things like that. I know you can't imagine that. <laughs> then later on, I decide that's not enough. I grow my hair out really long and put a, you know, uh, what, what, what's that hat that's the newspaper boy hat? No, 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 the newspaper boy hat, the old one from the 30s or 40s or something like that. You know the one? Yeah, yeah, it's almost like a beret, but not really. Yeah, yeah. Wearing that, and now I'm a, some like new age hippie or something like that. All sorts of wonderful things. You know why? Because I was looking for who am I the whole time, and yet who am I is found in this book and in relationship with him, but I couldn't seem to figure that out. There's a whole lot of things I didn't know. 
So that not knowing was an invisible wall in my life because I couldn't move past. It was a glass ceiling. I knew there was something more, and I'm searching and trying to find it, but I'm running around in circles, not finding. Trying, not finding. Until one day someone brought me the living word of God. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. That word changed me in such awesome and wonderful ways. It goes beyond description. Because I realized who he made me to be. How he loves me. What he has done to make me free. I found it in this word. It was no longer a religious philosophical book. It was living truth. And it totally changed and transformed me from the inside out. Hallelujah. And I took one step forward. Yes, glory to God. But then after a while, some of those repetitive cycles began to reemerge. And I tried to find my identity in church activities and all the wonderful things I was doing for the Lord. And I found my identity in how much I knew about the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And then one day a storm came. And it broke that house down. And it tested me and it tried me. And sad to say, although I knew on the inside... I didn't follow that. I spent many years as a quitter, as someone who had given up. And I can tell you that repetitive cycle of quit and give up and the Lord rescue me and I seem to be riding high for a little while until some other catastrophe takes place, and then I quit and give up again. It happened more than once. And even in one of these times, I found myself going, Lord, I've got truth and revelation from your word that's amazing, particularly in the area of faith. And I thought, this is awesome. I know so much about faith. Why is it I seem to have so very little of it? Because when the test came, my faith failed. Which tells you where your faith is really at. Hmm. I know people don't like to hear that, but that is the Bible. A lot of times we're trying to get rid of the storm because we don't like the symptoms. But if we really determined and foresaw the purpose of God, we'd realize, woohoo, glory to God. This is an opportunity for my faith in God to be displayed and for his glory to be seen. Doesn't James say something like that? Like, count it all joy whenever you fall into... Yeah, why? There's a reason why. It's an opportunity for your faith to get established and grow. Right? Now, God doesn't put you in storm. He doesn't bring storms and temptations. He doesn't bring those things into your life. 
but they do come. But in that place, when they do come into your life, he uses that as an opportunity for you to overcome. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes, he does. Okay, let me see. All right, I'm going to check my notes here, see where we are. I guess at some point in time, we should open our Bibles and get some scripture in here, right? (laughs) Hallelujah. Yes, hallelujah. So there was a seed of the day I put last week, um, put out on the, on the um, church chat from last week. And that was, uh, let's take another look at it here. Let's look at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. All right. Are we all there? Second Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 8. This is Paul talking to the Corinthians, and he says, For we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about the affliction and the oppressing distress, distress which befell us in the province of Asia, how we were so utterly and unbearably weighed down and crushed that we despaired even of life itself. Verse 9. Indeed, we felt within ourselves that we had received the very sentence of death. But listen to what he says here. But that was to keep us from trusting in and depending on ourselves instead of on God who raises the dead. Look at the scenario that Paul is in here. Now, his scenario is a little bit different than some of the ones that I've been describing because he was out there preaching the gospel, and the things and the afflictions he was experiencing was as a direct result of him preaching the gospel. And that might be a situation that you are engaged in, that you have with you, but it's, I was also describing other repetitive cycles and things that we get into in and of our own account. Yeah. Yeah, so... I know we like to identify with characters in the Bible and say, oh, I'm suffering just like Paul. (laughs) But let me tell you, if it's not persecution because of the word that you're preaching, you're not. (laughs) It's probably just... Yes. (laughs) Well, for me... For me, in many cases, it was educated ignorance. (laughs) Educated ignorance. Yep. Yep, hallelujah. I don't know if there's much more that needs to be said about that. But look at what Paul says here. He says, we felt within ourselves... The very sentence of death. Oh, he's, he's having a hard time here. You have to admit. He, he's having a bit of a struggle because he, we despaired even of life. Like, this is so bad, it feels like I'm going to die. Now, that expression we can all relate to at some point. The cause might be a little bit different. But we can relate to that. It's so bad, I might as well die. 
it looks like I'm going to die. And sometimes we're using that as an expression because we're exasperated, we're hopeless, we don't see anything. Sometimes there's physical circumstances that are just that. But regardless of that fact, this sentence of death is what Paul was feeling. And oftentimes, or sometimes, we can find ourselves in a situation like that. And so he said, but this happened. Why? Because God brought that inflection and and all that? No. This happened because there's a purpose in the middle of that situation, and that's what God wants you to see. There is a divine purpose that is greater than the circumstances that you are experiencing at this point. Hallelujah. Our master is a very good teacher. And he knows how to take the tricks and the wiles and the schemes of the devil and your own failures and the harvest of failure that you reap as a result. He knows how to take those things and give a a purpose to it that's far greater than any experience you can have. He is a redeemer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is no circumstance that catches him off guard or puts him in a co- backs him into a corner. There's no problem that he can't figure out how to solve. Is there? Oh, no, no, no. So he has a purpose in this that's far greater than just them getting out of trouble. Do you hear that? There's a purpose there that is far greater than their circumstances and the pain associated with it just being alleviated. It's not just the glassy sea instead of the storm. Are you here? Hear this. It's not just the storm calms down and now I have a calm and glassy sea. All my circumstances are wonderful once again. There is a purpose that is greater than that. That might challenge you a little bit. Please hear me. The purpose that was greater here for Paul was to keep us from trusting and depending on ourselves instead of on God who raises the dead. The purpose was... can't even trust in myself to get myself out of this mess. I can't even trust myself to get myself out of these circumstances or to break this bad habit or to quit this wrong way of thinking or just to, to tackle the mundane circumstances of life or to fulfill the call of God on my life and how to get me out of where I am now to where God's called me to be. There is more than just the change of your circumstances, there is a purpose that is greater than that, and that was to rely on God, was to depend on Him. Yep. You know why that's greater? Okay, we're going to turn in our Bibles to another verse that's not in my net. Well, actually, it is in my net. Okay. Philippians. Few doors down. Let's turn to the right. Philippians chapter 4. Now we sang about this this morning. The 
Yes, hallelujah. I'm going to read, you, read it to you from the Amplified. 4, verse 13. Philippians chapter 4 and verse, te- verse 13. This is Paul once again talking. So the same Paul who had all these adverse circumstances in his life. The same Paul, verse 13 says this, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. Now listen to how the Amplified puts this. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. You know what he's... Okay, so we get excited about that then, so we should. But look at the context in which he's saying that. Bump up to verse 12. Uh, Verse 11. Verse 11. Not that, I imply, not that I am implying that I was in any personal want, for I have learned how to be content. Now listen, satisfied to the point where I am not disturbed or dis- disquieted in whatever state I am. I know how to be abased and live humbly and in straightened circumstances. And I know how to enjoy plenty and live in abundance. I have learned in any and all circumstances the secret of facing every situation, whether well-fed and going hungry, or well-fed or going hungry, having a sufficiency and enough to spare, or going without and being in want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, that is a place of victory. A statement like that. Because what he's saying, it doesn't matter what I'm going through. I am triumphant always because I can do all things through him who is my strength. I'm not sufficient in myself. It's not about me and what I can do about it. It's about what he has done about it and what he is doing about it in my life. That's what it is about. That is the greater lesson. That is the most important factor, not whether well-fed or hungry. What's the most important thing, the secret, is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't matter what the question is when the answer is always Jesus. What power does the confusing, conflicting, difficult question have in your life when the answer for every one of those questions is Jesus Christ. It makes the question of no effect, no power in the light of the power of the answer, Jesus. Don't we sing the name above every name? Yes, he is. Hallelujah. Yes, he is. Glory to God. Hallelujah. What do you think the Israelites encountered in this situation? Turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 8, please. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy chapter 8. I know someone's marking this on their calendar right now. He went to the Old Testament. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy chapter 8. 
Are we all there? Verse 1. All the commandments which I command you this day, you shall be watchful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give your fathers. Verse 2. And you shall earnestly remember all the way which the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to prove you to know what was in your heart, your mind and heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor your fathers know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you recognize and personally know that man does not live by bread only, but lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me make this statement. Your situation, if it be a test to you, if it seemed to be something you struggle with and don't know how to get past, let me tell you, God is not bringing that situation to you to test you. But in that situation, there is a test. Oh, people don't like tests. <sighs> now, let me ask you a question about a test. If I was in school, and I was, and if for some reason I knew all the answers that were going to be on the test, did I have any trepidation about the test? Did I worry? Did I approach my desk with fear and trembling? No. I had all the answers. What's a test? To prove that I had all the answers. So what's the test in your life? To prove that you have the answer. Yep. To prove you have the answer. Paul said it this way. Do you not know that Jesus Christ lives in you? That's the test. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, amen, amen. Look at what he's saying here. That man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Hallelujah. So what was the circumstance he's talking about? Manna, right? Remember the situation with them? Remember they're wandering in the desert in circles for 40 years? Lord, when am I ever going to get to the promised land? And why do I have to keep eating this manna? Oh, manna. Day, manna in the daytime. Manna in the evening. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, manna, manna, manna. So, manna. Was the, was the lack of food in the desert the test? Was their circumstance the test? It wasn't. 
circumstance wasn't the test. The desert was not their test. What was the test? Faith and obedience. Why? He gave them an instruction while they were in the desert. Did he not? What was the instruction? You remember? The manna comes down. It's on the ground in the morning. What was the instruction of the Lord? Only gather enough for that day. Why? Because you had to believe that he would bring more tomorrow. You had to believe in him and rely on his provision, not on your ability to gather manna. Woo, glory to God. Not relying on your ability to gather the manna, but on him who provides it for you. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. That was the test. It tested their heart to know if there was faith and obedience in there. It was the word of the Lord that tested them, not their circumstances. Because man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. You getting this? Your circumstances are not the test. The test is what's going on in here in obedience to him who speaks to you. When he calls you, when he gives you instruction. It wasn't even about the miracle of manna every day. It was not God's best for them to live by miracles. His best was for them to enter the promised land. But here's the thing. If they didn't learn from their heart to obey the word of the Lord and have faith and dependence only on God, when they got into the land of milk and honey, they would forget him. Because in the land of milk and honey... Everything is just provided for them. Their circumstances of abundance are there for them every day. So circumstantially, the storm is gone, the desert is gone, and the glassy sea is there, and now I'm in a place of abundance in my life. But where is their heart? Did they forget the one who brought them into that land, who gave it to them? He says, don't forget that it's not your hand that's got you this. It's not your ability to gather manna that brought you into the land of promise. It was his hand and his power that has done this for you. Don't forget it. And the test was their heart, whether they were willing to rely on the Lord or not, and not on themselves. Paul said, this is so that we would not rely on ourselves, but on him who raises the dead. Paul said, it doesn't matter. I've learned the secret. Whether I've got lots or little, whether I'm in the desert or whether I'm in the land of promise, abundance. It doesn't matter because I've learned to depend on him who gives me strength for anything that I encounter. 
And that proving in their heart is of more value than just the outcome on the other end. And so it is in your situation and where you are at today. Praise God. You might be struggling with things. You might be thinking, well, I don't know what the next step is. Everything's pretty good, but where am I going from here? You might be thinking those things. But let me tell you, in all of those circumstances, the answer is relying and depending on Jesus himself. Regardless of what's going on around you, lift up your eyes and fix them on him who is your deliverer, your savior, your healer. The one who sanctifies you, fills you with the Holy Ghost. The one who you will stand before and give an account for your life. The one who is your all in all. Look up above your circumstances to him who was on the cross. Who when you look to him, you were healed. You were saved. You were delivered, praise God. Let's fix our eyes on him and rely completely on him who has delivered us. Regardless of what's going through. I can go through anything because... Of him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Do you hear him speaking to you this morning? Don't listen to me in my up and down yelling and Listen to him, because when you leave this place, I hope you forget the sound of my voice, but you never forget his. Don't leave this place and say, Pastor Jason said, nope. You need to know the Lord said to you. Man cannot deliver you. There's only one who can, only one who is able Hallelujah. Let's fix our attention on him. Give him the place that he deserves in our lives. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3W3B1.